are going to continue in our series, folks, that we've done over the last few weeks. And we have talked about the fact that there are these God encounters in the Old Testament that some of these uh, amazing people have experienced. And what God did is he came to them right in the place where they were at in the middle of their doubts and their fears and their frustrations and their hurt. And he didn't give them, you know, a nice little word or something. He actually said, this is who I am. Say, I am. And whenever you hear that word 200 times throughout the Bible, God is revealing something of himself to these people. And that is actually what changes everything. The circumstances don't necessarily change in the moment, but what happens is when, when you get, when you and I get something about who God is, that actually changes everything. It gives us a new perspective. We are able to take that and move into our life and our doubts and our fears and our hurts and our pain we're going to talk about today. God meets us right where we are, and what God does is he brings, uh, in these stories that we're looking at, he brings something tangible for these people. So, for in our, in our first story, God said to Abram that I'm going to give you all the, you, these descendants and it's every time you walk into your tent, you're going to see all these stars and you're going to remind you of that and my fingerprints are all over your future. Oh, I love that. Your future has God's fingerprints all over it. Done. So I don't need to doubt. And we, we talked second week about the fact that there are, how do we handle our hurts and we looked at Jonah, not a great example. He didn't take it, but God gave him that opportunity. It wasn't so much about Jonah running away from God as it was about God chasing after Jonah, right? He pursued him and God pursues us and he is the lifter of our heads. And he is the one who comes into our life and pursues us. And it's okay to have those hurts and to lean into those hurts because God is the one who's gonna walk you through it. So today we are gonna talk about Pain! Pain is inevitable. If you have lived, you are in pain. If you are from Regina and the Grey Cup is in your home city and you are not there, you are in pain. That may be one of the more trivial versions of it. Uh, but as Winnipeggers, we can sort of find that funny. Uh, you know, there is pain that happens all the time in our world and we experience it. And what God wants us to do is learn how to process our pain, learn how to live it because it actually becomes the thing that takes us. We're going to lean at the end. This is kind of where I'm going with you is it actually is the thing that takes us to where God wants us to go. What do we want to do with pain? Naturally, what do we want? Relief, right? And the world's version of this is I watch something, eat something, or buy something, so I get relief. How long does that last? Till the credit card bill comes in, <laughs> till you have to buy a new belt, right? All sorts of stuff. That's a terrible way of dealing with pain. God has this amazing way that he wants us to understand how we can process our pain. And I, I was, um, last time when, when we were talking about these encounters, had a young man come. He was actually, I think, from Alberta. And he said, hey, I got a great God encounter story. And he said, we, I was talking to my coworkers. He's a young guy. And I was talking to them about Jesus. And they were saying, ah, you know, this whole God thing. I'm an atheist. And when somebody says they're an atheist, that means they're just working it out. So don't worry, right? And so he said, I'm an atheist. And he said, what about happens when someone gets raped? Like, where's God? And they're having these conversations. Those are, those are good conversations to have. And so all the day, through, all through this day, they're having these conversations. And the guy finally said to me, well, you know, God would have to show me. 
<laughs> I just think this is very fun, right? Because God is in the business of pursuing everyone. And so this is one of those things where it happened like boom, boom. So that, that evening, they, after work, they were driving, and they're driving along a road where there was only one small space where there wasn't water along the sides, and the driver lost control of the car, and they flipped, and they happened to go under, down right in the place where there was no water. And an ambulance happened to be driving back from a place, and it stopped right where they were. And when they said it, they said, well, you guys are so fortunate, you should be dead. And they had like five or six things like this happen to them as they were going, and the guy just kept looking over at his friend, eh? And then finally, his mom texts him and says, are, you know, are you okay? When did this happen? It was, well, it was about like at about 9.25. She says, oh yeah, because at 9.20, grandma called me and said, I have to pray for my, your, her grandson because he needs God's protection. So he takes his phone and he shows his friend. <laughs> God, yeah, God is always in the business of pursuing us, of showing us who he is, and he wants us to have those close encounters with him where we learn who he is and we've come to that. I hope those words resonate for you when he says, I am, and I am changes everything. So what, we're gonna talk about what pain looks like and the, probably the, the most definitive person we could talk about, we talk about pain in the Old Testament is Job. Yeah, 38 of the most painful chapters you are ever going to read of how one thing after another, after another, one servant comes in and says, all this is gone. Another one comes in and says, he's not even finished talking. Another one comes in and says, oh yeah, by the way, all your kids are dead. And just this terrible thing, one after another. And then he has his friends come in and his friends are super unhelpful. And then his wife, you remember that, the, the situation that he has with wife? You know how most of us say we marry up? Not so much with him. His wife comes in and says, she says, okay, here's the deal. You, you know what you should do, Job? You should curse God and die. <laughs> yeah. I hope she was good looking because she wasn't bringing much else to the table at this point, right? And, and really, it's what happens in our life is we have these situations that come. And, and I remember when, uh, when I was talking to Eileen, my wife, about this, and, and we were talking about how, you know, how do we help each other in these situations? And I think it's a big thing because when we're struggling, when we have pain in our life, as, as Christians, we have the potential to be incredibly unhelpful, but sometimes what happens is we're not so much, right? And, and sometimes it's because we think we have the truth and we slap people with the Bible. Super unhelpful, right? And this is kind of what Job's friends did. And they had really simplistic answers. And you always know that simplistic answers are unhelpful. And you have my permission when somebody gives you a simplistic answer, you can slap them. <laughs> Maybe not, eh? Pastor Steve, that's probably not the right way. No, okay. Uh, but you know what it does when somebody says, well, you know why you're sick? Because you've got sin in your life. No, that's not why you're sick. You know why you're not getting healed? Because you don't have enough faith. No, thank you. That was very good, whoever said that. No, and, and what happens is we, we, we can live this shallow surface understanding of life, but you know what? In our pain, God wants to actually push us deeper. And we need to have better answers, friends. 
We need to, to be able to go, and God wants us to process our pain so we aren't slapping people with, with the scripture, but we are entering into the place that the Holy Spirit is working in their life. So we don't need to be Job's friends, and we don't need to be Job's wife. There's another way that we can help, encourage, build each other up, and challenge. We cooperate with the Holy Spirit. All right, there's my little tangent. Let's get back to the story. 38 chapters, friends come in, wife comes in, all these horrible things happen to, and all through that, you can kind of see the story coming to a point where Job says, I want my time with God. I want to have a face-to-face with God. I want to be able to tell my stuff. He wants to be vindicated because he thinks he's an innocent sufferer, which is kind of true, and he also wants to just have face time with God, and he basically says, I want my day in court. So God says, okay, court is in session. Be careful what you wish for. And we start our story where in the, in the beginning of the verse, he says, in a storm, the Lord spoke to Job out of a storm. Now I want you to get this picture. In the Bible, they're called theophanies, when God shows up, and because he is glorious and amazing, and it's all his creation, he comes with a big, big show sometimes. So there's, a, there's the comic version of this that you see over there, which is, you know, kind of okay-ish, but I, I, you know, you tell me whether I'm right. Here, here's, the, here's the version that I envision in my mind from one of my, one of my favorite movies. This is, I think, before, and I told it to crank up the bass so you would feel this. Did you feel it? And God spoke to Job out of a storm. And there are two things that you're gonna wanna know because, ooh, right? Job says, I want my day in court. God says, okay, I'm gonna give you your day in court. But there are two things that are really important as we hear, hear this. First one is this, is that this is the first place where he uses the word, the phrase Yahweh. And that's God's personal name between him and his people. And so there's a a familiarity, there's a friendship connection with that. So when God says that to to Job, he's not talking to him like this. He's saying, Job, I want to have a conversation with you. And later on, he says, brace yourself like a man. And and it reminds me a little bit of um, one of the pastors that you probably know is Pastor Graham from Bronx Park, and when we've known each other for a couple decades, and when I first would talk to Pastor Graham, I was being all nice, and I'd say, hey, G, like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And I saw him just looking at me, and he said, um, hey, would you just tell me straight? Like, just give it to me. If I'm being an idiot, let me know. And I thought, oh, okay. And so now when we have conversations, you know, we just tell it straight. Hey, this is the way it is, and this is the way it is. And God's having one of those with Job. But he's saying it like a friend. 
The second thing that you need to know is that he's actually speaking in poetic language. And, and it, it does sort of soften it a little bit. Yep, you got the storm. Yep, it's straight goods. It's like, Job, you wanted your day in court. Here you go. But he talks in ways that are actually incredibly poetic. He says, hey, um, do you know, do the thunder, does the lightning report to you? And it's kind of like lightning bolts reporting, sir. Here we go. And, and, and it's almost like this picture of the lightning bolts coming to God. And he says, okay, are you ready? All right, there, there, there. And he paints this picture of it. And so those two things help us understand as God is having this time with Job. And the, and the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm and he said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man and I am gonna question you. And you are gonna answer me. Where were you, Job, when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you understand who marks it off in its dimensions. Surely you know. Who knew God was sarcastic? I feel so affirmed. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Who laid its cornerstones while the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy? And God takes it out and he just sort of lays it out in front of Job. And he said, okay, Job, you wanted to have a conversation and I want you to see two things. First of all is this, what did he not do? He did not answer any of Job's questions, right? Have you ever had God do that to you? Where you have all these questions, and especially the whys. Why did this happen? Why is it, why did somebody die? Why did this illness come? Why did my job fail? Why, 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 why? And God didn't answer any of Job's whys. And, not that it's bad to ask them, he may not answer any of your whys. And we're gonna see in a, in a few minutes the reasoning behind that, mostly because we actually aren't capable. He says, how do you come to me with this, trying to figure this out when you can't even understand the full breadth of who I am and the scope of how I think? And you are going to come to me. Hey, Job, where were you? And it's sort of that first shot. And uh, I love Job's response. He basically says, your honor, I withdraw my accusation. <laughs> Job answered the Lord and he said, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer twice. And I will say no more. Now, if God was like me and just loved winning arguments, that whole thing would be over, wouldn't it? Because he's like, he made his accusation. Job says, no, 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 okay. But God had something way deeper in mind for you and for me and for Job, because Job needed to learn something about suffering that it was gonna help him and is gonna help us immensely. And so the, the God continues, and it's kind of like he calls his first witness, and his fir first witness is creation. And he calls and he says, look at all these things, look at how it happens, and God is really interested because what he sees in Job is what he sees in us, and that's this. When I'm confused, God, you must be wrong. You ever done that? Maybe not like that exactly, but we kind of do. If I don't get it, God, you're wrong. Somebody dies, I don't understand, it's your fault. 
And it's actually human nature to do that. And it's kind of what Job was doing. And here's the thing that I want you to see that's so important. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're sinning. Okay, I'm going to say that to you people. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're sinning. Got it? Your turn. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're sinning. And we get caught up in this all the time. And Job is struggling mightily. And he's saying, God, it has to be your fault. And God's just walking him through the process. And he walks you through the process as you struggle. You need to get that. Just because you're struggling doesn't mean you're sinning. And as as he walks through this whole process, God says this, who will discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Ooh, (laughs) that was kind of the thing, right? Do you have an arm like God's? Can your voice thunder like his? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself with honor and majesty. If you don't understand, do I have to be wrong? I think it's one of the big questions that we have to work through. And here's the bridge that we all have to cross. What did he say? If he didn't answer the questions, what did he say in his opening argument? He called creation and he laid it all out in front of Job. And he basically said, Job, you know what? You got a major knowledge problem. You can't possibly conceive the answers to these questions. In fact, it's impossible for you to see any of this. And I love the way Elizabeth Elliot said it. She said this way, says, if God is merely my accomplice or my co-pilot or my servant, then indeed he has betrayed me. But he was God, and therefore he freed me. If God is there to serve you, I asked, you didn't answer, then absolutely get mad at him, let him have it. If that's your God. But you will always struggle and you will always be in angst. But if God is more than that, if he is truly God, what he does is he frees you because at that point you go, I don't actually have to fight anymore. I can just rest in him. I can rest in his knowledge. I can rest in the fact that he's good. I can rest in the fact that he works all things out. I am so confused. I don't have a clue what's going on. But oh my goodness, I can rest in you, God. Over here, yep. If he's just my servant, he betrayed me. He had all the power, right? Why does God allow some people to be raped? He has all the power. If he is there to do my bidding, I am always going to feel betrayed. This is adult stuff, folks. Because when you're hurting and you're in the middle of it, we're all going to feel over here. But God says, if I am God, if I'm really love and fullness and deepness and life, then fall back and rest in me. And it's what you and I have that nobody else has if you don't follow Jesus. Is you just fall back into God and you say, I am so confused and so hurt, but God, here I am. And it's a bridge that every one of us has to walk across. And I would love to tell you that you walk across it once and then you're good. But then something else happens, right? And you kind of have to work it out. The good news is this. 
Once you've walked across that bridge, you actually understand the path there. There's a, a lady attending our church who was at the first, at the, one of the services, and she said, you know, and she's dying of cancer. And she said, you know what, I, I just, something clicked for me as you were talking. I am so looking forward to seeing Jesus now. It's like, oh, wow, yeah. See, if you're God, I don't have to actually fight it anymore. I can rest in you. That's what God was going after in Job. And Job's closing argument is, his closing response is this is, well, I guess then the defense rests. Then, re, then God replied, sorry, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is it that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke these things that I didn't understand. Things were too wonderful me. And then he says, and listen now, he said, I speak and I question you and answer me. And this is it. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Job has this encounter with God and he, and he has this revelation and he gets it. And there's the hurricane that came and he spoke to him and he realized, ah, oh, I get it now. I'm actually not the one that's in charge of this. I can just rest in you because you are the great I am. And all of us cross that bridge as we struggle with our pain. What are some things that I want to practically launch that out for you? What are some things that we can do to, to kind of make that land for us? The first of us is, is this. I think we kind of have to settle with the fact that... Um, the question is, can I grow unless I, in a less painful way? And, and the answer is probably no. <laughs> it's, it's how God does it. God wants to break our self-dependence, that, that we can do it. And, and he is lovingly and kindly living you in your whole life and the things that you do and taking them and making them so you can become who he's wanted you to be. And if you look through the Bible stories, and in fact, you look through anybody's life who's lived at all, you realize that all of those hurts and those pains are actually God can take them and make them into the things that are important and good. Paul, God speaks to him and says, you know what, Paul, I am going to let you talk in front of kings and you're going to be incredible. What we didn't know was that Paul would probably change the course of civilization. But he says, you need to know something. You are going to suffer an incredible amount, Paul. You're going to be beaten, shipwrecked, left for dead, thrown in jail, flogged. And you're going to do all those things. And you know what, basically what Paul says? Okay, you are God. He crossed the bridge. And he changed the whole world. Paul, are you willing to suffer to do this? And, and Paul seems almost superhuman, right? The way he does it. I rejoice in my sufferings. I don't actually rejoice in my sufferings all the time. You? Like occasionally I'm a bit spiritual, but usually I'm trying to get out of it. And it's human nature. And God says, you know what? Would you trust me that I am God? And no matter what happens in your life, I'm working it out for good. Peter, 
gets another incredible um, moment where he has his God encounter and Peter's God encounter. They're having this conversation. He and Jesus are doing their thing together. And as he, Jesus talks to Peter, and I think this is a super funny conversation, unless you're Peter. He says, uh, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Now, if you, you're in a charismatic church, did you know that? A good charismatic would say what? Get thee behind me, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that spirit, you are not going to... You remember what Jesus said? Well, Pete, I'm praying that you stand firm. Wow, that seems terrible, right? Okay, let's be honest. Satan's gonna sift you like wheat. And God, and like Jesus' best answer is, well, I'm praying that you're gonna stand. <laughs> Doesn't he have a better prayer than that? See, if, if Jesus was just his accomplice, if he was just his co-pilot, then that probably isn't a great prayer. But since Jesus is God, and he knew that Peter needed to suffer those things, without Peter going through what he, that sifting, he would have never been the man who the church managed to grow and build off of. Never. And there it is. I love T.D. Jake's analogy. He says, you know, your life is like a key that's blank when you first start, and, and slowly life cuts into it. And all your hurts and your pains and your fears and your frustrations cut into it. And it creates this key. And then one moment in time, all of a sudden the key goes in and it turns and it clicks. And it opens up your future to what God has for you. God never wastes any of your life. He takes everything that you go through and he shapes it and forms it so you can become the person he's designed you to be. Our job is to say, you are God. Amen? Uh, Graham Cook is an, is an interesting guy. Uh, just want to round it off with this story. He, um, he is one of these guys who I would have assumed would have been kind of that high-end, charismatic, far-end guy that God's your healer and you just got to believe you're healing. And he will often say, well, I'm not a sick person. I'm just somebody who's fighting off disease. And I thought, oh, that's kind of an interesting way of looking at it, right? So you don't claim it as your own kind of victim thing. And then I heard his story, and his story is that in the last eight years for sure, he has struggled with some kind of autoimmune thing where every joint in his body hurts all the time. And when he's sitting, he can only sit for a few minutes and then he has to stand. When he's standing, it feels uncomfortable, he has to lay down. When he's laying down, feels super uncomfortable, he has to do something else. Every moment, he is in pain. And I, I wanna tell you his process that he said, because you know what he said, the fruit of the spirit is actually the thing that saves me. He said, I had to realize that God was my healer, but he was also my keeper. And I said to you, God, if, if I'm not going to get healed now, you need to be my keeper. And I moved from that being onerous to being a delight. I need God to be kind. And I understand that he actually was kind. He brought friendship with me as I walked through that. I need joy just to get through the day. And he gave me that joy. I can't sit, stand, or even rotate but I believe in the kindness of God and the fruits of the spirit kept me walking and I am not anxious because I learned peace. 
I didn't learn peace from not being in pain. I learned peace in the middle of pain. I heard God speak gently when every joint hurt. He's given me a crash course in living in his presence, no matter what is happening in or around me. God is big. He always has you. He's not your accomplice. He's your God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand? If you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to take just a minute. We're going to, we're going to take some time to pray uh, for a few things. And whether you, when you're online, I want you to, to do this as well. Put it in what you would like to be prayed for. And if, if you would just bow your heads, close your eyes right now. Uh, I know that there are people in this room and online who you're, you're in significant pain right now. That could be emotional pain, spiritual pain, physical pain. And, and you're in this battle of say, I got to walk across that bridge. I need to get it. And, and we're going to pray for you right now. And if you're not in that place, I'd like you to pray for one of you. I'd like you to pray out loud with, for one of your brothers and sisters here. You're not praying for yourself. You're praying for them. You can pray in your head too. Father, I just thank you that, that you meet us right where we're at. And uh, Lord, we are reminded today again when we look at Job that you have this amazing plan for all of us. Job got double back of what he lost. And, and generations later, we're still talking about him. And that was your plan for Job. I thank you, God, that you have a good plan for each one of us. And no matter what we're experiencing this morning, you are God. And so, Lord, we just, I thank you that you're going to break our self-dependence. I thank you that you're going to use everything for the good and I just lift up the brothers and sisters in our church family now who are really struggling. And Lord, I pray that you would come and that you would bring your I am to them that they need at this moment. I'm, um, let, let, let's do this. I know we're a big group. But I think that God's going to bring to mind something that he is. And, and you can just shout it out. Because someone needs to hear that, okay? God says, I am your strong tower. Who else is God? Peace. Shield. Faithful. Healer. Provider. Message, yeah. Keeper. Abba. Savior, you know what, folks, I want you to just take that because one of those things of those of you who are really in the middle of it, one of those things was yours right now. We've talked about God encounters for the last week where he showed himself as something to that person. God wants to be that for you right now. It isn't just who he is, it's who he wants to be for you. And he wants to meet you right in the middle of your struggle, right in the middle of your pain, right in the middle of your hurt. This is who I am to you. Because I am your God. I am your God. Let's just remain in this moment.
Uh, there's uh, somebody watching online and you're wearing a piece of clothing that is like bright yellow. And um, in some ways you might feel that the brightness of that clothing belies what's inside that feels dark and hurt. And God wants you to know this morning that, that he is your light. And the light is going to break into your darkness and you will have hope. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Abba. If you're here today or if you're watching online and you have never made that decision to accept Christ or let him be the leader of your life, uh, that's where all of this starts. And with nobody looking around, just raise your hand this morning if you say, I need to do that. I need to, God to be that leader in my life. Online, there's a little hand popping up. You can do that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, son. That's great. In the back, thank you. All right, so there are people online in the, in the room that have made that decision. We're going to pray with them as their church family. All right, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you came and died, and now I can rest in you. You are my Lord. You are my God. You are my King, and you are my friend. I love you. My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand?